Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus on Friday the 2nd of July. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. Big news today for those hoping to see lots more medium density housing close to our, t our city centres. We're talking apartments, often smaller than 50 square metres. Until now, banks have been very wary of lending, uh, both to investors and first home buyers on these smaller homes. Studio apartments, one, one bedroom plus flexi, maybe two bedroom apartments um, have been really difficult to get funded because the banks have in the past not linked uh, with relatively small deposits on these properties. Often you'd need a 50% deposit or a 40% deposit. That ruled it out for many first-time buyers and also made investors wary because they knew that uh, for a, uh, an apartment that could not get bank lending, essentially the value was not that high. However, in recent weeks, we've seen the banks start to shift. Uh, firstly, ASB came out and said that it would uh, lend for 20% um, deposits on greater than 40 square metres, and also that you didn't need a car park, uh, which is a big thing for these medium density uh, homes close to the centre of town. Well, yesterday, ANZ, the biggest bank, has announced that it will um, lend to people with apartments of at least 38 square metres uh, with a 20% deposit. And um, it also has changed that, uh, where previously anything under 45 square metres you needed a 50% deposit. This is great news for um, first home buyers and also for developers who often sell these off the plan. So if there's more lending available for people to a buy off the plan that will accelerate the number of these apartments available. So it's great news for the housing supply and it's good to see the banks get with the program. This came after a concerted campaign by Nikki Mando from uh, Newsroom, um, helped at least in part originally by me when I was there. And uh, also uh, Chloe Swarbrick has been hammering around the banks trying to get things changed. So that's uh, good news. Also good news on the budget finances front. Treasury came out yesterday with the latest figures for the 11 months to uh, the end of May. So we're almost there for the full financial year. And essentially the budget deficit of just over $4 billion for the um, year, for the 11 months, is less than half what was expected. And that's just as recently as the May budget. So very quickly, the budget's coming back towards surplus. And of course, those people who worried that we'd be pumping out surpluses of you know, 15, $20 billion a year for three or four years, that hasn't happened, in large part because the economy's doing really well. And because we've got this tax system that just hoovers up money whenever the economy's growing from higher GST revenues, higher PAYE revenues, of course, uh, not capital gains taxes, and uh, we're certainly not taxing land at the moment. That is uh, really good for the budget, and uh, also the government has been spending less than it expected. Again, one of the problems for the government is execution, getting money out the door, and um, making sure that it gets spent. Often it is less than expected, the spending. This is not necessarily because there's less social spending, it's just that often 
capital projects and also uh, spending on um, ongoing um, social spending is less than expected. So uh, that means that we're looking at getting back into surplus at this rate within a year or two. That will give the government a lot more room in the next two budgets to um, spend more, you'd have to think, certainly if they want to get re-elected in 2023. And uh, it's also worth knowing that the government still, of course, has $40 billion in cash sitting in its Crown Settlement account with the Reserve Bank. Uh, this, I suppose, is designed as a COVID um, fund, just ready to go if necessary. But the closer we get to um, full vaccination without widespread outbreaks, and the fact the economy seems to cope okay with uh, relatively closed borders makes you think that that $40 billion would be quite useful um, spent in other ways, in particular infrastructure for housing and climate change. And also good news on the tax front. Um, often we don't hear this, but the OECD overnight, uh, we've seen 130 of the 139 countries in the OECD agree to this big global tax deal that's been on the cards for the last couple of months. This is the agreement that there would be a global corporate minimum tax rate of 15%. Obviously, that's quite a lot lower than our 28%, and that doesn't mean that our tax rate gets cut. It just means that those countries who have very low tax rates designed to encourage companies to move to them, the likes of Ireland, uh, then they would agree to have at least 15% as their corporate tax rate. However, nine of the 30, 139 countries have not agreed to it, and the culprits are, you guessed, Ireland, Barbados, St. Vincent and Grenadines, Nigeria, Hungary, and Sri Lanka, actually. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, worth mentioning to your friendly Irish MP that um, they're not very popular at the moment. And um, there are uh, interesting challenges there for the Irish if they want to stay in the European Union and get support from the European Union if they don't sign up to this global tax deal, which people think, or the, the analysts from the OECD think, will bring in $100 billion US dollars extra in tax per year once it's up and running. The deal is, if you are a big tech company and you've got revenues globally of more than 20 billion euros, at least initially, then you will have to pay tax on profits of about 20 to 30% of your profits made in the country in which you sell your service. So um, that uh, will essentially mean they'll have to start paying some tax in places where currently they don't pay tax, and that includes New Zealand. Uh, unlikely to be huge amounts in New Zealand. We're not talking a couple of billion, more a sort of couple of hundred million, but um, certainly significant and good news. The deal is, of course, that those countries that brought in digital services taxes will have to wind those back. So some good news around um, watching out over the next day or so for uh, US jobless um, numbers or jo non-farm payrolls numbers. We've got some good jobless claims, weekly jobless claims, numbers through um, overnight, uh, the lowest since um, uh, since COVID of 364,000. That was lower than economists forecast for 390,000. So what that says is that the US um, economy is ticking along nicely for jobs, um, although US factory growth uh, saw the slowest numbers since January. Again, problems with supply chains uh, a factor there. And uh, interestingly, there's, there's about eight, more than 80% of those surveyed saw higher um, 
costs for their interim supplies, so their um, producer costs are rising. Um, crude oil price hit a, a, a three-year high of 75 US dollars a barrel overnight, but don't worry, OPEC Plus are looking to increase their supply to try and stabilize uh, those numbers. And um, we've also seen the European Union um, launch its digital passport overnight, so that's uh, good news. Keep an eye out for Australia as well, where it looks like uh, Scott Morrison is going to uh, lay out a series of vaccination thresholds um, under which people will be able to travel, and he's looking to avoid any more hard lockdowns as we move up the levels of vaccination. Why should we care about this? Well, New Zealand being part of the bubble with Australia, obviously it's all paused at the moment, but um, we essentially are hostage to Australia's vaccination timeline. We can't open up to the world properly until the Australians are opened up, and they're running slower than us, just 8% fully vaccinated. So it's uh, proving problematic, the very strict um, and large divisions between the federal government in Australia and the state governments. For example, uh, Scott Morrison said yesterday he thought that people under the age of 40 should get the AstraZeneca vaccine, and then a whole bunch of states turned around and said no. Um, and this is really starting to worry people in Australia, the confused messages, um, the lack of a start of a vaccination program. They are not actually seeing their Pfizer supplies until well into um, the end of the third quarter. So we're talking head, heading towards September, October. Ours are due to arrive in bulk starting next Tuesday when we will have just run out of our um, Pfizer vaccine supplies. So keep an eye out for that plane. On Tuesday, that's going to be important. Uh, we will see you again on Monday morning with the next version of the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka, but watch out. We'll have a couple of um, extended podcasts uh, later on today and tomorrow. One, a New Zealand Over the Horizon with Peter Bale, uh, where we talk about the world's um, geopolitical events. And also I'll be talking with um, Max Rashbrook in our uh, the week that was for the week's end hoon around the um, political economy traps. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. That was the Dawn Chorus on July the 2nd, Friday. Bring on the weekend. <laughs>